Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Jason. That's why we're waking up with a little fire. Oh, man. I'm on fire right now. You Even know... we're in your garage and it's 55 degrees on here. I'm on fire hey, on the inside. Hey, 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 hey. It's not like it's that time of year, Jay, where the football playoffs, the end of the playoffs are going to be starting. And you know those... uh the guys in Buffalo are ready to take their shirts off, drink some beer, and sit in the stands to like freaking sub zero temperatures. Oh man, with their pace. The Cleveland Browns fans—that's what—that's what comes to mind. Those dirty dogs oh, in the in the stands. We are the fantasy baseball advocates, guys. We are here in Jason's garage. This is very rudimentary here, guys. We we've got we've got some work to do. We're just talking about all the all the new developments that that we need to to uh, put together for you you fans out there, you followers. All two of you are, are followers on YouTube. We are so and excited. Again, you know those of you in Brussels, Belgium, who caught some of our previous podcasts. I hope you're still out there listening, um, guys. We are here in Central Indiana. In my friend Jason's garage right now, um, and got that, the space that, heater on that, us, staying nice and cozy, is, warm. This is where it's all starting. Trying to this all is because of you guys. That's right. This is where it's all starting, and there is plenty more to come. Um, we are excited about all the stuff we're going to do in the future, and um, you know we're going to keep doing these long form podcasts for a while, and we're going to branch out, and I'm sure we'll have some shorter snippets for for people to digest but but we're we are really we are the who we who are we really as fantasy baseballers we're the long form guys we we want to have a conversation about this that lasts for an hour and you know i'm sure that there'll be more different type of material that we'll make together but i love long form podcasts of many kinds so to to say to attest to what you're saying the listening audience needs to understand that not only are we here to discuss fantasy baseball and have an hour-long podcast, but it's twofold. A, we love doing this. We are talking about something we love with a passion. So thank you, that all of you, for, for tuning in and listening to it. And B, the second reason that... We we are here to advocate for your mental health by utilizing fantasy baseball. Is is to show you a perspective from a deep league perspective, and, and this right. is what I want to tell you. Um, we say every show we focus more on deep league deep league categories. We we are flexible. We can talk about fantasy baseball on the whole without that. But what I want I want to define this just a little bit more for just a minute here. This is an example of what I'm talking about. If you play in a standard twelve team just regular league on CBS, Yahoo, ESPN, Fantrax, uh I personally feel like Fantrax and Yahoo are the way to go, but but CBS TBS, I've never tried their league, but they, they do well for themselves too. Um, but what I'm saying is if you play in a standard 12-team league, you are trying to draft for upside because what's going to set you apart from the other guys that are contenders in the league at the end of the year is if you are the guy 
who hit on Cole Reagans. If you were the guy who hit on Zach Eflin. If you were the guy who hit on those guys that were not on anybody's draft radar to start the year. For 10 to 12 team leagues. Yeah, because here's and we why. we have something to offer you. We do. In a 10 to 12 team league, you can take chances at the draft table. However, if you are in a deep league, a deep 15 to 16 team league like we are, you cannot take as many of those risks at the draft because the replacement level player that you're going to be picking up off the wire when you're when you're um, your high draft pick fails. It, you're, let's say you uh, let's, let's look at you know a shortstop prospect not on here. Oh, by the way, guys, we're talking about shortstop today. We are going to be talking about shortstops today. We're going to break down Jason's top 20 ranks in just a little bit. But anyways, keep going. No, it's okay. We're going to see what you have to say about it. But but to, to finish up my rant here, let's say you drafted, oh, Jay, give me a shortstop in the last 10 years that was a big bust. Anything come to mind? You know, I'm thinking of like, uh oh, you know a big bust. Yeah, like wow. I really should have done this fruit start top there. Anyway, <laughs> let's say you draft somebody who you draft somebody high and they bust. In a ten to twelve team league, you may be picking up Jamie Pena as a replacement level player. Hey, he can get you through until you find that next big thing. In a 15 to 16 team league, he's not available. Yeah, he's not available. But You're picking up talk Paul DeYoung, the White Sox. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of those names. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's just a little transition. This is what we're trying to help you out with, guys. So, so we are going to talk about the shortstop position today. We're gonna we're gonna go through Jason's top 20 ranks for fantasy baseball shortstops in 2024. Um. We'll do a little back and forth. I've got some. Uh, I've got some some opening thoughts about this list of shortstops. Um, Jason, do you have any big general takeaways from the shortstop position in twenty twenty four? Like, what's your overall impression of this list of players? I'm so glad you asked that, Jay. So. My my general impression takeaway, and as you guys who have been following know that Jay and I have going through these rankings have compiled a ideal stat line, not an ideal stat line, an ideal stat floor that you should shoot to attain uh, in a deep league per position. And shortstop is no different than some of the others, except it offers a little bit more in the speed category and a little bit less in the RBI category. I noticed that as I went through this list. Um, shortstop is not the deepest position. It is deep, but shortstop is also not the most talented position. There are drop-offs. Um, there are, depending on the size league you play in, probably spots where you wouldn't feel comfortable. You would feel like you missed out of the draft table if say so-and-so and so-and-so is your starting shortstop. But anyway, shortstop what I like to look at it this year is shortstop is 
the position that just has a little bit of everything for everybody. And I had so much fun compiling this list, Jay. So you <clears throat> you pointed out something. You you've been putting together these average stat lines for the top did you do like the top 16 i did excuse me shortstops again so there's something i want to tease out of this so you've put together this average stat line is this stolen bases here the 24 yes so absolutely your your average stat line that you put together is 87 runs 22 homers 73 rbis 24 stolen bases, yep. 271 average, and an 800 OPS. Yes. So let me just ask you, are you how much are you look, really looking for stolen bases from the shortstop position? I mean, is this for you, I guess let's just say this year, is this somewhere that you're targeting? Like, are you looking for stolen bases? How much do you value guys that can give you a lot of stolen bases? In this I'm going to tell you, Jay. Stolen bases, or do are, you need to make a choice between power and stolen bases? I think here? it's going to be in a in a ten and twelve team league. I think you need to shoot for stolen base upside at shortstop, um, and you can see that it's evident in my rankings that mm-hmm. a vast majority, unless you're getting tremendous power, a vast majority of these guys at least give you double digit steals. Now look. It's not that hard to occur double-digit deals with the rule changes they made last year. But going back to the question you asked, in the shorter formats, I would absolutely shoot for stolen base upside from shortstop because I believe the most stolen bases you're going to get are going to come from your outfielders and your shortstops. Some second base, obviously there's it's sprinkled in at each mm-hmm. position just a little bit. Yeah. But by and large, you'll notice as we uh, go through these positions – this to the to this point has the most stolen base. And now the, the question in my mind is going to be like, and I know who some of these names are. It's not that I'm clueless, but like, and some of these names are even going to come close to Bobby Witt's numbers. That's what I'm. That's my question in my mind. But we'll get there. We'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, any other big takeaways you want to touch on? Uh like I said, this position offers a little bit of. A little bit of everything. There's some guys here that have tremendous power that, you know, are going to go at the top of your draft, whether you're in a 12-team redraft or a deep league. There are some guys here who um, have a lot of speed potential with the good average. Some guys with a lot of speed potential with the bad, bad average. Some guys that are, you know, just kind of average across the boards. Like I said, depending on your league size, there's a little bit of everything to go around. Now, as we get down this list, you're going to see that my list differs a lot mm-hmm. from some of the experts. Like, say you go online and you look at Scott White's rank from CBS Sports, or you look at Scott Chu's uh, positional rankings on Pitcher List, or you look at uh, Justin Mason and, you know, Van Graaff from the Sleeper in the Bus, his hitter rank. All the experts, um, I really look at their material, but I don't base my rankings off of that. I base these rankings off of a compilation of shallow and deep leagues. But as, um, as the rankings go on closer down to 20, 
there's going to be names on my list that aren't on the others because I'm not shooting for upside. I just don't want to be left with that replacement level player. Sure. Nothing against Paul DeYoung and using him as an example, but there's a reason St. Louis disposed of him and that he is now on a White Sox team that I think he's going to lose his job to Colson Montgomery at some point this year. But yeah. that that's a... To be determined. But I just don't want to be that guy that's missing out. So we're going to talk more about, obviously, about players that were elevating in the rankings or fading in the rankings, um, differing from from the consensus. Um, And one of my big takeaways from this list of players was, at first glance, it was very hard for me to break from the consensus rankings that, that I was looking at. I mean, it is, um, it, it, it was just, it was, a uh, it was difficult. I would say more so than some of the other positions we've looked at so far. Um, one of my other takeaways was, uh, some of the names on this list, obviously very well known names. We're talking about superstars. Um, there's a little bit of an aging, uh, core of superstars on this list, um, maybe not as bad as I thought at first, because I've and I've I've outlined the ages of of some of these guys just for reference, um, and we might talk a little bit about that. There's a temptation there for me to go younger, um, but as you said, I don't know how much upside am I willing to shoot for. Um, what sacrifice. am I willing to pass up to, that, to that's go for a that good, upside? So, good piece of that came a good up with nugget. the third base position, yeah. but I, I think it's very uh, prevalent here when you look at this list. Um, I have on my piece of paper here the top 30 consensus ranked shortstops for 2024, and I, whenever Your we do this. For, for this, for the listening audience, your source for this. So I'm looking rankings. at I'm looking at Fantasy Pros right okay. now. So okay. So they've got their they've got ADPs, you know, in their list, and also where they have ranked their players versus versus early average draft position, um, which is helpful to me, um, you know, best and worst rankings and everything. But what what's crazy? Every time we do this, we're ranking a top fifteen, a top twenty. I always have to go to – I always have – we're in a deep league again. I always have to go to at least 30 and put those names um, You know, Jay, a, a good nugget list. to talk about here to remember, some of these deep leagues, uh, I believe the ones we play in don't do this, but some of these have middle infield as a roster yes. spot. So you, you do need to go 30 deep because yes. you're looking for a, a second base by a short top and a middle infielder, and then you – you want to have something on your bench too, so and with yeah. shortstop, even even when we stop at thirty, which by the way, the thirtieth ranked shortstop on this list, Carlos Correa, who you have much higher in your rankings, we'll talk about that. But I like it. I want to just I'm just going to rattle off some of the names that are not on this list that are not that are not, are on, not on this top on, thirty list on my list on on. I'm going to call them consensus rankings, okay? These are okay. expert rankings, okay? okay? But let's just say who's not on the top 30. 
of this list, which to some of which one of which might be in your is it is in your top twenty list, but Jeremy Pena, Jordan Lawler, Jordan Tim Lawler Anderson. just missed the cut in line. Yeah, yeah. Tim Anderson, Vaughn Grissom, Ezekiel Duran, Brendan Donovan, Jordan Westberg. And that's not to mention who some of my deep coma toast sleeper guys are on this list, who some of those names that I teased out were Ahmed Rosario, Zach McKinstry, Mauricio Dubon, Taylor Walls, Luis Garcia, and Luis Rias, who is in the 60s. I love some of those guys. I really in do. The 60s in, in the 60s in the rankings of shortstops right now. So that's... That's what I'm. That's what I have to get past and process before I can start talking about the top fifteen. Because you and I know, in all reality, that we're gonna be we're gonna be paying attention to let's talk about every the top name, 20. every name on this list that's not. Yeah. So, but let's move on from that. Let's talk about the top twenty. Um, number one on this list is it, there's you know there's not much back and forth we can do about this unless you th- I, not in my uh-huh. mind but okay. number one is Bobby Witt Jr. No, just just for reference you're referencing my top I'm 20. referencing your list this is, okay. this is your I top 20 rankings I did now. go back and forth at one point in time I thought about putting Mookie Betts ahead of him for for those of you listening Mookie Betts is not shortstop eligible in all leagues but he did play uh, I believe ten games. Five, he played five or ten games at shortstop, which in some leagues gives him eligibility at shortstop. Now, mostly Mookie Betts is playing outfield or second base, but in leagues where he's eligible at shortstop, just another tool to have. And what? Here's the thing. Why would I? Con- First of all, no, I put Bobby Wood Jr. in one. All right, I came to my senses, but why would I question it? I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Mookie Betts stat line, he scored 126 freaking runs, 39 home runs, 107 RBIs, a 307 average, and a 987 OPS. He beats Bobby Witt in average, in OPS, in RBIs, in home runs, and runs. Fair enough. Okay. Why would I not cons- – and I don't see him fading anytime soon with Shohei Otani going to going to town. At 31 years old, you don't see I, any- I don't. Not not him because they can You're move him You're not really concerned about I No, because his that. game is predicated on his power. Notice I left out a stat, the one glaring stat where Bobby Witt kills him at, which is stolen bases. Right. However, 14 stolen bases is not a knock on Mookie Betts. No. Not at all. You know, I'm not, not sure he's going to continue to steal that much. Maybe he's still 10 this year. But at what point does the power, the supreme power outweigh? You know, look, Bobby Wood's young. He's number one because I, I see him making gains in all right. those areas too. And I don't see regression from Betts. I just think Betts is plateauing. Fine. I'll plateau with this line. Well, yeah. I rank Mookie Betts second. And it's Be- just a factor of there's no lack of talent. Obviously, it's just a factor of age. And it's not age for me. I, I try really hard to not use the age term. I know a lot of people do. 
it's the experience factor and and, and it goes like this if you get a young guy coming into the big leagues who's had say oh gosh uh, who's gone through four well no we're gonna allude to that. I don't I don't want to give away something I'm going to talk about later but I, there's a player um, who I, I think it's it's physical stature for me. It's not just age. It's, okay. it's physical stature. When does the power start to fade for someone who is not the size of Aaron Judge or I David think people Ortiz? People say Father or, Time says the the hitter's prime in baseball. When you're not talking about the elite of the elite, is like thirty between twenty seven and thirty one or thirty two. Okay, fair enough, and that is what we're and talking about. I think about the drop the off starts the about thirty three. But with Mookie Betts, he's, what, 31? So this will be his age 32 season coming up. He's on his plateau. And I see him... He's been pretty durable. It, with where he's at, I can see him doing this till he's 35 because of this lineup construction around him. And also because he's not relying on those stolen bases, which is what I would expect a job first. And they have. So that's... That's been one of my questions about this position is, and and it's what I was referring to with this core of peop, of superstar shortstops that we've all known about for years is like which ones of them are going to continue to do this through age thirty five, maybe even thirty six, right? Um, so okay, so you've got Bobby Witt Jr. number one, Mookie Betts number two. Let's read the next few names here, okay? Three, well, let's, four, and let's five. Let's read three because I, I do feel like there's, stop. there's a difference. All right. Coming. We got to stop at each one. So you Not gotta, each one. Just, you got number three as Corey Seager, and you see a drop-off here after this. A very small drop-off, and here, here's why. Corey Seager, to me, is just, just a small, teensy diluted version of Bookie Bats. And I don't mean to say that he's only 80% of Bookie Bats. I think if you look at Corey Seager's line, 88 runs. Okay. There's a diluted sample of Bookie Bats. He just doesn't... For all the lineup construction he has in that Texas lineup, it's still not the Dodgers lineup. No, and Number, I think he's just such a great hitter that I feel like they probably rely on him to hit people in. Uh, does, I mean, did he hit fourth a lot? He has. I've seen him Was hit he at third, third fourth, right, second. I think okay. he hits second, third more often okay. than fourth. All right. So it's usually second, third. So his plate appearance is going to be there. Look, I do put Corey Seager in the same tier as Mookie Bass because he hit a three twenty seven average and over over a thousand OPS, ten thirteen OPS. Wow. He is who he is. As long as he stays healthy, which he has the last couple of years, he is a strong hitter with great plate discipline, power to all fields. The only thing he doesn't bring to the table is steals. And can you blame him? No. No, I can't. You have to keep him healthy. You, you know? do. And so they, I they actually see. Healthy. We've you you for know who Corey Seager reminds me of? Corey Seager reminds me of Mike Trout. Right after he stopped running, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mike Trout when he was running, I'm still, I'm, I mean, this is a debate for another day. I still think he's been the best player the last twenty plus years, but Corey Seager this past year, and I think going forward over the next couple of years, is Mike Trout 
2016, 2017 ish. So I lump Corey Seager in the same tier as Mookie Bats because of the power of production. Okay, so the next tier we're going to call it, okay? You've got... A little clump. You don't have to call it a tier. Yeah. But it's, it's a... It's where a, is he uh, some we'll, breaks? Let's come, up, let's come up with our own uh, term. It's a... It's a... Clusterfuck. <laughs> it's a... It's a mound of players here at four through seven. I'm just going to read through their names real quick. Oh, you here. know what, Jade? This is like when you're digging the dirt and you find something really cool. So the further down we go... A prize? Oh, yeah, and like the stuff that's at the shallow. And these right. are the, the shallow digs on the dirt. I mean, right, this is right. where all the substance is. Once you start getting really deep, uh, dude, we're going to go. I don't think well, we I can mean, go I know this. I'm not going to have any of the three people that we just mentioned in either. No, my no, I'm league, not. So yeah, I'm not. Yeah. There's, but have to but they are the here. cream of the crop. They are. They absolutely are. Okay, so you got at four, five, six, seven, Francisco Lindor, Trey Turner. Gunnar Henderson and Bo Bichette. Now, just before you go into number four, we you, don't have to go through each one either. You, you it, have you have moved Bo Bichette up from what I'm calling, you know, from from what some of the experts are um, putting him at right now in the early rankings, and I agree with you. So this is one of the places that. I we were um, very much on the same page about. Boba Shett is twenty five years old. Does it surprise yes. anyone to hear this? Because I think we think no. of him as someone who's twenty seven and's been here a little bit more. But I had to stop and realize this guy's twenty five years old. Yeah. So, are I mean we've not seen Boba Shett's best, in yeah. my opinion, we have not. So, for me, it's like. I can't put these other guys ahead of him. Certainly not C.J. Abrams or you know someone like that. Not nothing against C.J. Abrams, but I'm just saying. I, I agree with you. Like I think he's here in this top top seven, and I and I do think there's a, a little bit of a drop off again after him. So what what are your thoughts about these these names right here? So with Bobichet in particular, uh, what I look at as a player. Um, through team context around him, they they all seem to underachieve. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. George, Certainly last George year, Springer I agree. Like, been, just, been around forever now. We've seen his best, but I feel like it's just a struggled a team lot firing all cylinders that we want to see that like we maybe have we don't see day in and day out, and it's not anything against any of these guys. Probably really so or their individual. So here's what the industry is going to say. You. The industry is going to say. Oh, Bobichet only scored sixty nine runs. Oh, Bobichet only stole five bases. Yeah, then this isn't who we thought he was. And the industry's gonna be down. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a buying opportunity. Uh yeah. Because I promise you, Bobichet is gonna score a lot more runs than sixty nine. Was there this a leg year. injury? Was there I something believe what happened last year? Bobichet is gonna steal at least 10 bases this coming year. But how do I uh, feel comfortable ranking him in this tier? It's simple. Despite all of that, he still sports a 306 batting average with an 814 on-base plus slugging percentage. 
So he suffered a quad injury at some point late in the season, was on and off the IL twice in at least twice late last season. So I'm I was trying to remember so there's a little there's some leg injuries. Um I, I can't go back further than that right now. But the point is there was some there were some injuries. Yeah, Whether not, they were I'm small not gonna, or not. You know, and this is not, people just don't this produce. Is, like, this is actually a, a positive thing for me. I'm saying, you know, I hope he can stay healthy. I'm just saying and I don't I don't I don't know that I can't think of any big ones that we can say like he's not durable at this point. Um, I think it's a good thing. I just think it feeds into the stat line that you just mentioned that we need to see a full season. You know, we absolutely do. And uh, looking at this tier here, uh, first of all, I don't, I don't want to like hit on everybody like in depth, but Francisco Lindor. Okay. He's still in his prime, even though he's like, I think he's 29 or 30. You, Mr. Ageist over here, do you have his age? In I am totally ageist. <laughs> oh, why didn't I and, put his Anyways, and nurses against age. Yeah, that's a, that's a real good right. combination. Um, uh, anyways, but with Francisco Lindor, he went 30-30 last year on a bad Mets team. Now, he's still got some decent line of contact on him. As long as Pete Alonso is there, you know, he scored 108 runs. I mean, thirty years old. By the way, there you go. Okay, old. so I but at thirty years old, maybe he regresses to twenty five steals this year, and uh, maybe he only hits like twenty seven home runs. But the average is a little bit underwhelming. But the lineup, Francisco Lindor is who he is. Yeah, I think and there's a modern day version of this game, that average thing. like. Yeah. He is a perfect floor player. Like, if you want a really good top-tiered shortstop so that you can set your lineup and forget about it, not to worry about it, Francisco Lindor is not a bad, bad – and you know what? It's, it's not a bad choice. And you know what? I rank him in my top five because I feel like his floor – might be a little bit less than what he put up last year, but it's still going to get you top flight value. And the opportunity cost that you have to pay for him at the draft table is usually late second, early third round in a redraft. If you pair him up with a a guy, a high batting average guy in the first round, you know, he doesn't have a low batting average that you have to offset for. He's just not helpful there, but he... Yeah, I can see him working that average back up to a 270. So speaking of floor and and what is the floor for a player and, and buying opportunities, what do you expect from Trey Turner this season? What, do you, what mm-hmm. are your thoughts on him? I'm glad you asked. So Trey Turner was underwhelming for the most part of last year. And depending on who you talk to, some people will be like, oh, that one game – um, I don't even know if I should say buying like opportunities. June or July. Fantasy Pro's know. ADP right now eight. So I'm I'm being, I, I guess I'm saying that because well he's number five on your list. So uh-huh. so obviously there's a okay there's an opportunity so there for some. I, I'm biased when it comes to this, and this is why I rank Trey Turner fit. Anytime a player gets a big contract, I'm very hesitant to buy them on that first year. This is Trey Turner's second year. Mm-hmm. Now he has a year nucleus under the belt with Bryce Harper, with Kosh Forber, 
with Alec Baum, with Bryson Stott, with all these guys, you know, and with the Philadelphia fan base and the media market and his family is rooted there now, will be more rooted this coming year. I expect Trey Turner's numbers to increase. I expect his numbers to get back closer to the career norm. Now, Trey Turner is what? I believe 30 or 31? 30. Okay, so as we're looking down here, I'm looking at my spreadsheet. Trey Turner put up a... Okay, and what we should consider to be a down year for him, he still scored 102 runs. <laughs> okay, that's not going to change with the lineup he has around him no. and where they're going to hit him. No. On a down year, he still stole 30 bases. With, I would think most years, given his age, his steals are going to regress, but they've already regressed. Mm. And they made changes to the game that I think he could hold 30 steals yeah. a year. For at least another year, right. maybe if he two. Gets on base more. He has and, like ninetieth percentile totally sprint agree. speed still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, with his, I believe his batting average is going to go up. Two sixty six is too low for him. Absolutely, that's going to be over two eighty. Remember, and his OPS is going to go. In turn, it's going to go up over 800. And there's a chance his RBIs go up. His RBIs may just stay the same based on where they put. But if you just simply keep his 102 runs, keep his 26 home runs, keep his 76 RBIs, keep his 30 steals, increase his average to 280, and increase his OPS to 800, I feel like you've got a top five shortstop. Again, this is a floor that you should be shooting to attain because there is some upside with him. But if you don't get that upside, you're not going to be kicking yourself in the rear end later because you're still going to have one of the better shortstops. No, and if you remember, like, last year he – I'm going to use the word struggled for a good part of the early season. And you brought up a good point of, you know, signing a big contract – Coming to the Philadelphia sports market and the headlines about him. I mean, it's just like, it's it's ridiculous. It's just this made-up stuff. Yeah. What's wrong with Trey Turner? We're for, for two or three months, we're talking about, what's wrong with him? There's nothing wrong with him. He moved. He, he moved. went from Washington went to, to L.A. Right. to Philly there, there in like a three-year so span. I'm just pointing out that the narratives in the, in the big sports markets are just it's it's funny it is comical to look back on it and be like yeah there was nothing wrong did you see the duck the beckham documentary on netflix i have not watched that it is awesome and here's what i think is so cool about that i'm sorry to break away from uh, baseball but david beckham went with with manchester united since he was like a kid like like less than a teenager yeah yeah and then he he left For those Man of you U. that don't know, these professional soccer clubs have leagues and and ranks all the way from young children all the way to oh, professionals. Yeah, yeah. So they're integrated the he, way that sports in our world was, in our country are not. It's, he was the it factor, and you know, growing up, you know, he was all over all the tabloids and everything. So first of all, he had a major media presence. This is, but what I'm trying to get at is. He had started a family with Victoria, and they had had kids. Mm-hmm. He uprooted from Manchester United, the only home he ever knew, to go to Real Madrid in 2003. Yeah. yeah. That was a big deal because if you watched the documentary, it didn't go over well with Victoria. 
Yeah. And that was a big transition for him. Towards the end of his Real Madrid time, he was there for four years, he was himself and even upped his game to be even better. But then another dispute, and all of a sudden he's going overseas to to L.A. and California. And, you know, another transition. What I'm trying to get at is when you're a, a star in any sport, Take your star and the media presence away. If you got a family, you got a family. And when you have yeah. to uproot yourself and move your family from the school, from the, the your your social group and network, your support, that takes time to adjust. Absolutely. And I feel like Trey Turner was just adjusting last year. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's a. Yeah, it's more of a personal story than a baseball story. It's like just that that I that's how I feel about it. Yeah, too. So and uh, and yes, for you young listeners out there, um, happy wife, happy life. Okay, so you gotta yeah, you gotta make sure that or happy partner. Happy yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. However you want to, you know, but you, you, yeah, it's just you got to adjust, and it's and and you know that's what really that's what the great athletes. Do but it nope, they're not robots. Okay, they're human beings. Everybody's got to take time to adjust and and they go through a process and manage your emotional life. Absolutely, it's just a part of life. And the great athletes, you know, like we and I feel like the older I've got, the more I really respect greatness wherever I see it, no matter who it is. And that's where the sports fandom. And your fanaticism about your own team starts to break down and you just like you just look at a great athlete wherever they are, even if it's on the team that you hate. You know, and yeah. you just like you just respect greatness and, and and consummate professionalism and you know, like I don't know. That's something that like, you know, for example, Peyton Manning brought to the city. I was about to say, you know the consummate professional. I mean and but think about him. very early in his career. There might have been some questions, right? Okay, what did we get? Who is this guy? Is he is he is he strong? Is he consummate professional? Is he mentally tough? The answer was yes, and we it just took us a very short time to find that out. And then once you realize that everyone was on board, you're on board. I mean, there's there's always going to be some detractors and haters, and but I mean, once you have that, you just. It's time to move forward with that, and that's what the Philadelphia Phillies are going to do. And like, just I just hope they, you know, solve some of those other little riddles and enigmas that they need to with their roster. But if they do, look out because absolutely, yeah. You know, I'm a little small nug here talking about Peyton Manning. Uh, my wife is one of the biggest Peyton Manning fans of all time, and she. Uh, she, but she's she's a Colts fan through and through. She stayed with the Colts even when he transitioned. But what I'm trying to get at is, she always said like, like people just need to be patient with him when he was going through the injury here. Yeah, yeah. Before he got cut, and if you realize, like he went to Denver and took off, but there was still a transition period that happened. Yes, there was with Peyton. He just didn't see it because he missed that whole year where the Colts were pretty bad and he was still under contract before they released him. What I'm saying is no matter where you are in the sport, whether you're Peyton Manning or the Trey Turner's of the world or whether you're just like us, 
trying to create a living and then we move jobs, yeah. there's a transition period for a family. Like, I can't tell you what it would do. Like, if I told my wife and my girls that we were mo- moving to, say, San Diego. California because I got a job opportunity. Hey, you got a job opportunity. That's flattering, but now what the fuck are we going to do? Look yeah. at all the stress we got to go through moving. Yeah. Like that, uh, uh, we... We spend enough time talking about this. I'm I'm solid with my ranking on Trey Turner. Gunnar Henderson. Thoughts, comments, questions, concerns. He's a young player on the rise on a great Baltimore team. He scored a hundred runs, had almost a hundred RBIs. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. A player we're about to talk to is going to be his running mate, and he also has Adley Rushman there. And a bunch of other guys coming up to the system. Man, I don't just, think his production is going to drop off. It's only going to take off from here. The rise to prominence in an organization with him and uh, Adley Rushman is—it's pretty—it's pretty noteworthy. Like there's there is not too many guys that that come up in in this amount of time and start to hit in the three and four spot in a lineup and and stay there. For an entire season without the ups and downs and moving up and down and lineup and even losing your job for a while. I mean, right? So, yeah, it's definitely noteworthy that just that they're here to stay. So, all right. So, number eight on your list, Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, we spoke about him at length on the third base podcast. We I, did. I do just the I know he's going to play shortstop mostly in twenty twenty four because of Noel B. Marte, but they also have Heimer Candelario there, and I think. But again, power we, and speed upside. Yeah, yeah. we spoke. The at batting him average at I feel can only get better, even yep. if it's the same. You know, you are going to get yep. some some dingers. And some stolen bases. He's in a little cluster of two players here where there's so much variance, but I hold them in such high regard. But anybody I'm, else on I'm this on the list low. that can steal second, third, and home before you can blink your freaking eye? I, I don't know. I don't even know if Bobby know. Witt Jr. can do that the way that Ellie De La Cruz can, can do that. I, even again, with the 60 you, you know I'm bases. the low guy on the tunnel pole with Ellie, but I respect his potential, and that's why I rank him in the top Just 10. the dynamic potential. I mean, I watched his first few games coming up last year, playing last year, and, it, I mean, when you see it, you just know that you're watching something special. That's just the that, – that was the general impression, like – Every, anyone who watched it was, knew, like, oh, my God, like, you, you're watching something, some kind of dynamic talent, whatever this ends up being and wherever he ends up, because looking at him, and we already talked about this, like, where does he end up playing the the um, most of his career at? And then he's like the O'Neill Cruz, too, right, where he's just a big physical specimen. And, like, where, how long does he play at shortstop? I don't know, but... He's obviously very talented, and no, not that he can't play that position for a long time, but you know how it is. Organizations have to He'll get put you where at some you, point, right? They probably have to not put you where you can help the team the most, and yeah. that's that goes for. It doesn't matter who you are. Sometimes, like you have to make a change for for the organization. Absolutely. I mean, there's not too many people who are exempt from that. Bryce Harper is learning a new position right now, okay? So, anyways, um, so you got – we, we got we to gotta pause here for a second. 
There's a guy named Jackson Holiday who's number nine on your list of, of on your top twenty list of shortstops. Are we making rankings and projections, or are we just going verbatim of what people say we should do? I said there'll be a little variance on my list. I know I'm I'm probably not even the high guy, but I think I'm up amongst the higher guys in Jackson Holiday. Look, the kid's twenty years old. He just turned twenty years old. So you ask me as a listener, like, why should I rank this guy in my top ten? And you're just asking for me to have a wasted spot. Well, here's why. First of all, the the Orioles, as well as any other MLB team, are incentivized to bring up their top prospect on opening day so that they can have the potential to get Rookie of the Year honors and award their team with a high draft pick in the next, next year's draft. Jackson Holiday is the prototype for this system. Jackson Holiday is MLB's number one prospect. Um, you can lump him... If you were talking dynasty, we can talk about a cluster of four because we know we're talking about loving, talking about clusters here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wyatt Langford, Jackson Holiday, Jackson Churio, and um, Junior Camonero. I believe all four of those guys are going to come up this year and be impactful. Jackson Holiday, I firmly believe, is going to. People will say he's going to win, but I really believe. He's going to get handed the shortstop job from day one. Right. And I believe that his left-handed bat is going to play well in that lineup and at Camden because he has a 70-hit tool, great plate discipline. He made it through four levels of the minors in 2023. He went from rookie ball to high A to double A to triple A. And he did well at each stop. Um, his average took a little bit of a dip from going from high A to double A, but that's going to happen. Um, his fantasy, he uh, res- fantasy pros ADP 172, just three spots behind Willie Adamas. He, they have him ranked 18 spots below his ADP, so they're you know fading him in the rankings. The a question bit, is about productivity in yeah. 2024. The right? question is like. Are they ranking him based upon, like, say, just sheer? We think he's going to put up redraft. this stat line. Yeah, this is That's redraft. Fine. I here. still this think, is, and I still I think, even in a deep league, keepers and you know. this is why I put Jackson Holiday nine. The next cluster fucking players that we're gonna I love. I'm sorry, guys. If I drop a couple of bombs on the air again, we're nurses. It happens. The next cluster of players we're about to talk about. There's a lot of questions. And uh, yeah. rather than deal with the questions and then the subsequent boring players, mm-hmm. I would much rather take a shot on Jackson Holiday, who may not have the physical tools that L.A. De La Cruz has, but Jackson Holiday, Jackson Holiday basically, I believe, is going to come in and be what Bo Bichette was just a couple years ago. If you remember, Bo Bichette was 20 when he came in, too. Actually, he might have debuted at 19, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. But, but anyways. You might be right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be handed the job from day one. And I'm going to rank him in my top ten. I'm going to have his 
many shares of him as I can. So 10, you got C.J. Abrams. 11, Nico Horner. And 12, Hassan Kim. Um, this is my be careful section of my rankings. So all three of these players are coming off career years. All three of these players have major question marks surrounding mm-hmm. Okay, so for example, C.J. Abrams' ADP, where is that on Fantasy Bros? 64 right now. So to get C.J. Abrams in a standard 12-team That's league... That's pretty wild. Yeah. Well, you've got to draft him by the end of the fifth round. If you're lucky, move in the top of the sixth round. No, thank you. That is, that is, there is no value cost there because you are betting that he is going to replicate his stat line or better to pay off for that 64 draft pick. If his ADP was like 90, this would be a different conversation. I just don't feel like there's any buying opportunity. His cost is too high. His plate discipline is... Not the best developing because of his stature. He does have a good hit tool. I'm this glad is, you brought this, that up because this, okay, so this is where it differs. Just because you have a good hit tool doesn't mean you have great play discipline. And here's why to get 18 home runs at his stature, you really kind of have to change your swing to, to, to get there. And I don't believe he's going to attain 18 homers here and here. People want him for the stolen bases, okay? But to get those steals, you've got to get on base. I know why, and I think that, like you're saying, I think that people are expecting him to hit 20 home runs and year in and year out. And What was his stat line last year? He had 47 steals. I know that's what people are going gaga over. Um, I see him as a player... Part of his hype was the power potential, but when you look at him, you're like, this isn't going to happen. Well, I think part of his hype was he's got a great hit tool, and he's a speedster. But usually when you have a great hit tool, um, part of that hit tool is having great play discipline. And I think his, if you look at some of his uh, under-the-hood numbers, they're um, showing, they're hinting at regression mm-hmm. for him. So I don't see him hitting 1,847 steals. I see him maybe hitting 12 home runs and stealing 35 to 40 bases. And that's still a good player, but, I mean, with a low average, is that the player that you're looking at with that draft cost? What's the stat line for Nico Horner in 2023? So Nico put up a... Well, what's going to dazzle people is 98 runs and 43 steals. And yeah. 283 average is really helpful. Yeah. But he only hit nine home runs. Only 68 RBIs. Only 729. Look, I'm failing to mention I'm still ranking these guys 10, 11, 12. There's a lot of questions. Does that I, get I him in the – where, where does he end up in the lineup? Does that get I, him in the leadoff spot? Is he's it, either going to hit first or second. He okay. is. That, I think he's cemented that. 
Okay. I just don't see him replicating 43 steals. I think that was like a 90th percentile outcome. I see him maybe going down to like 35 steals. Yeah. And then I, I see his average Dan 280. But again, you're not getting much for power. And so he really... These guys... Here's the thing, guys. With C.J. Abrams, Nico Horner, and Haseon Kim, they have to maximize their value to be able to get you what you're paying for. There's no buying opportunity, I feel like, because their cost is so high. It's based off their season last year, and I there's no room for regression. But I would say at this point, you're not taking a chance on Matt McClain over these three guys. I'm sure I, in some scenarios... In, you, in you my are, drafts, I'm going to try to avoid this trio of players as much as possible. But I'm also trying to be objective and not just subjective. Sure. I believe I would be more excited about a player like Matt McClain over these three. Yeah. However, these three, if they do live up, I mean, there's a lot of stolen bases amongst this trio. Sure. Um, Stolen bases is important if you don't get it early. These trio of players going, what, between ADP 64 and probably like, a hundred for Hashan Kim somewhere in there. I don't know. In the back half, the top one hundred. If you missed out on the elite of the elite stolen base guys at the top, they give you a second chance. That's why I clumped them here. But this tier is where you start to have questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like, if I'm in a standard twelve team league, if I don't have my starting shortstop by the time CJ Abrams comes up, I'm disappointed. But that's just me. So your next cluster bomb here, 13 through 16, is Matt McClain, Xander Bogarts, Carlos Correo, and Andres Jimenez. Who, I, Andres Jimenez going around ADP 100 right now. Um, some of the rankings are going to have him quite a bit below his ADP in, in, in our rankings of shortstops. You've got him at 16. Um, Jay, I think you're... Go ahead. I'll, I'll give you two words with this group right here. Boring and floor. Again, I told you, getting towards the end of my rankings, and we're, we're getting close. We're in the back half. It's going to differ greatly from what some of the industry's leading experts are going to have. At this point, in our deep leagues, again, I'm not shooting for... I'm trying to take established players who I know are going to be productive. Um, and I agree with you, thing by about the way. This group I agree of players. with you about Andres Jimenez, where, just about where you've got him in the, in the rankings. Thank you. I with might Andres even, Jimenez, he's might take him weird. over Carlos Correa, but that's well, tough for me right I'm now. I'm higher on Correa than I think the, the consensus. Here's why. I do try to, in the back of my mind, even when I'm going for floor, Look for a glimmer of hope of upside. I think and when I, I say still upside, have, speaking to the back of your mind, I still have health concerns in the back of my mind because after his contract um, story, it was like, how many contracts fall through before he finally 
signed yeah. a, at least so, one, but anyway. So with Korea, could you see a 97th percentile outcome being a, a, him returning a top 25 yes. value? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I, 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 I can I see do. it. I can like, see a real path to that. And plays 150 games. Um, I, I really do. I, I, plus, I think he's got an opt-out coming up in that contract he signed. It's either this year or next year. I'm sorry. Family matters. Contracts matter. I buy players in contract years, even if it's going for an opt-out. Absolutely. Some players. People are more Especially valuable Especially with him after having sh- shooting for a huge contract and not getting it because of, you know, real health concerns, right? So, I agree. Um, Absolutely. So, I, again, we're talking about floor boring players here, but these are players I do value. What's the these floor are for Xander Bogarts? Well, I think he's going to get moved around the diamond, too. But let's look okay. at his stat line from last year. Xander Bogarts. Where else besides up, the infield? No, no. Just, so just I think he's the, actually going to get moved over to first base at some point. That's my prediction. Okay. Um, I think they like Hashan Kim at short, and yeah. they have yeah. Jackson Merrill coming up through the prospect ranks, who I think they would be more than happy to get time at second or third. Yeah, Jake Cronenworth played and pretty Cronenworth, much the whole season at first base. Cronenworth's there, year, so. but I think – I mean, I think Bogart could also go to second, but with his stature, I would almost – if I were making the choices, I would almost slide Cronenworth to second or third plug in Merrill when he's ready and move Bogarts to first base. It makes sense. I, I but, buy into this. But thing. I think for his for all intents and purposes, Hashian Kim is the best defensive shortstop that they have. I really do. And that's gonna keep him on the field and we didn't talk about him a lot, but I feel like there's some regression baked in with Kim, but if I know we're going back up the ranking here, but with Kim versus Abrams and Horner, I might have a little bit more of Kim because he's multi-position eligible. He can play. He's eligible at second, third, and short in almost every league, every format now. Um, while he's probably going to regress on the steals, his average might hold at 260. Well, he did better offensively than Jake Cronenworth, so I just think he bought himself a lot of playing time. I mean, every day playing time, Yeah, most likely. Lots of questions by him, but yeah, just a little nugget on yeah, snippet. and their lineup, kind of, just, just but, how it all pieces together. But, but you asked me about Bogarts, even if he moves over, I feel like you're getting to the point in the draft where you're like, can this guy, can I, in the lowest of outcomes, still shoot to attain 80 runs, 20 home runs, 80 RBIs, and a solid batting average? Xander Bogart does that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. The 300 club, you know. Um, is Not any, sure is there, but bo- I think he'll, no? he's definitely a good bet for 280 plus. Okay. He might hit 300. So the next cluster here, 17, 17 through 20, you've got Jeremy Pena, Ezekiel Tavar. Is that Brandon Crawford? No, Sorry. that's J.P. Crawford. Sorry, J.P. Crawford. J.P. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Right. Good question. And, and Dansby Swanson. Well, it, I mean, it's J.P. Crawford has uh, – J.P. Crawford scored 94 runs last year. Right. I mean, 
J.P. Crawford went to driveline and improved his his uh, swing so that he can maximize it to get a little bit yeah. more power. Yeah, hit the ball out of the infield. They love J.P. Crawford in Seattle, so yeah. he's going to yeah. continue to hit every day in that lineup. Yep. And when you got Julio Rodriguez there and some of those other guys, yeah. And if he's even if he's in the bottom of the lineup, there's still there's a lot of run scoring potential and. I think he, when he's on his game, more often than not, he hits at the top. Okay. But if he's not, he goes down to nine. But with Julio Rodriguez there, right? You know, it's a turnover to him really quickly. I, I think. So my common theme with these guys, where I'm gonna, this is very vanilla. But here's the thing. These are deep leagues plays here. If you miss out on, uh. Some of the others, and these are your fallbacks. These are your fallbacks in a redraft if you hit on the bus. This is what I alluded to earliest right. in the show. The difference between the 12 team format and the 16 team format is these guys at the bottom may be your starters in the 16 team format. These guys are on the waiver wire, and some, not all, but in some 12 team leagues. That you can get when you're started bust. Yeah, just to clarify. You can't get these guys on the waiver wire in a 16-team league. They all hold value. Swanson is kind of like Bogart. And you can pencil him in for 80 runs, 20 home runs, 80 RBI, and and uh, uh, some variance with his average. But he's going to give you solid production. Um, with the other guys, Pena, I think uh, he's still young. Yeah. I mean, was it not two years ago that he was the World Series MVP? Yeah. You know, he's. I think he's a, he's a sneaky, deep league play, and we'll get to him in a little bit. I'm but still... Ezekiel Tovar, plays in Coors Field, is going is to play every single day. Is going to hit towards the top of that lineup. Yeah. You, know, Many you talked us. about who's Dolan Jones going to hit in on our last podcast, and I joked, and we, you were like, oh, Shelly Blackman. It's going to be Tovar. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and we were all paying close attention to him last season, I feel. You know, so many of us in our league. So it's it's pretty obvious that everyone's still paying attention. Everyone still has high expectations for him. So those, those haven't really faded in my mind either. So I agree with you putting him on this list. And just to point out, you, you've got J.P. Crawford above Tommy Edmond. Leah Damas, um, Tyro Estrada, Anthony Volpe, you know, on your list. So you obviously have some some good feelings for JP Crawford. I, I just I I differ from floor. you there, but I, I'm not I'm okay with it. But I I would pick a lot of those guys over. Here. I think most people would. Most people probably would, but I yeah. But this this is what's fun about doing these rankings, Jay. But it's January, and we get to like subjectively go through Trevor this. Story. Did I mention that name? Uh, so here's the thing: Trevor Story is going to be shortstop eligible in April, okay? Because he's going to play shortstop because Von Grissom was probably going to play second base. But is Alberto Mondesi out of the organization oh now? Is Don't. he gone? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to mention don't, the name. Don't mention that it's guy's just name. that he held a 
okay. place, even though he didn't play. He was holding a place in the organization, and there was a path the to playing between... time. If, and now I know they have Von Grissom okay. and other oh, middle God. infielders. I'm just you, saying. You just got my head going. Is he out of the picture completely? Guy. He must be. I would say Von Grissom has now taken a place in the or in the roster that they don't need him anymore, probably. So, well. First of all, Trevor Story won't be shortstop eligible until he plays shortstop enough, which will he'll he should attain by mid early to mid April, um, probably early April. But anyways, he played second base all last year. That's why. Um, but if you look at how the Berto Adalberto Mondesi is. 2020 season was that the COVID year where he had that towards <laughs> September and just tore it up what can you honestly okay I want to phrase this I question right for the audience for him by the way I, I was just no, pointing no, no, no. out we're not talking I about I was just Mondesi. talking about their roster no hear me out Jay <laughs> this is not talking in terms of Monsey I'm taking what Monsey did and I'm going to put this on CJ Abrams are you going to tell me that you can't see a small outcome where C.J. Abrams turns into the next Alberto? Yeah, I can absolutely see that. Now you um, that's see what I'm saying. Why I do not think that C.J. Abrams is at eighty sixty four is very. I scary. think that's crazy. I have seen him play at the major league level now, and I just don't think that he's gonna. He would have to change something to continue to hit home runs like that every year. Like, uh-huh. I just don't see it. I don't see him continuing to, like, hit for any power in the major leagues. So he was able to do it in the minor leagues. However, I don't know how, you know, I, to, to profile him. I can't – I mean, I, I done, I've, I've studied him a lot in the past, but it's not, it's not evident to me right now. How he can continue to do that? I well, just did don't he think. play in the minor league? He was in the Padres farm system. Yes. Did That's he right. play in the PCL? I think so. Yes. So in the PCL and AAA, smaller, yeah, there most of those stands. are smaller venues, so yeah. your power numbers are going to be off. Yeah. Just something to watch out for right. when you're evaluating the players. Yeah. Also, don't bury pitchers who come out of there with like a four plus ERA. That is just. Oh, really hard place. Where so are we, we at? We've, we've Where gone are we through, at with the bottom We've gone through my list. top 20. And I already named a lot of guys who, like, weren't on this list. That And it's, just, it's like, say no more. I'm not going to say anything else besides the fact that in deep leagues, like, I'm going to be looking at all of those guys for yeah. the whole season. For when those, they become available. For those of you out there, we've gone through a lot of names here, and there are a lot of names I am leaving off. And I, I encourage all of you to go through this process. It was exhilarating. Um, but I just we love this game so much. I just love going through these. Uh, to wrap this show up, though, I do have a little, a little snippet for you guys. Uh, player I'd like to spotlight is Jamie Payne. And here's why. For you, those of you guys looking for a sneaky play at shortstop, Jeremy Pena plays in a loaded Astros lineup. I know some of them are getting older. I know Brankman's contract coming up. There's questions. Look, Altuve's still there. Alvarez's still there. Bregman's still there. Kyle Tucker's still there. The main stage is still there. It's a decent hitter's park. Um, Pena 
I think he had a little bit of a down year last year, but he still hit 263. And I think that that was kind of a sophomore slump. He kind of came in hot his rookie year. They made the World Series. You know, emotions were high. He he got a World Series MVP. Like, I I believe that's what the honor was, right? I, I don't want to be wrong in there. Anyways, why you look that up. He ended 2022 on a high note, and I think that left some sour taste in people's mouth. Jeremy Pena, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he is going to be, like, rising into the top ten or anything. But this is a very sneaky play. Like, you want to spend your draft capital elsewhere and just have a solid but yet unspectacular set it and forget it shortstop? Yeah, first rookie position player to win a World Series MVP. That's Jeremy Pena. Yeah. Okay. And he's, he's young now, too, right? Yeah. He's still, what, 23, 24, maybe? Yeah. Um, and anyways, he's going to play every day. His defense will keep – his glove will keep him playing every 26. day. 26. He's 26, so he was an older rookie. But still, 26. He's still not even reached his prime yet. Right. Um, I see a scenario where I see a – Look, I'll be honest. I see a 50th percentile outcome where he's a 15 home run, 15 steal guy with a 270 average. 50th percentile outcome means there's room for more. I do see a world where he's 2020. That's more of a 75th, 80th percentile outcome. But anyways. I think he's a sneaky play in the back half of these rankings, and I don't think he's a player that people should sleep on. That being said, I think we've said enough. My spotlight player to fade is C.J. Abrams, and you you spoiled my surprise when you brought up Alberto Mondes in. <laughs> His again, nothing against C.J. Abrams. But I think he could still. Not, I don't think he's going to replicate his numbers last year, but I, he could. He could be even better. I mean, in case that makes me look like an idiot, but that's fine. All of us, in some instances, are going to look like that. I just think his draft cost is too high. There's, You're not going to gain any value benefit unless he has his 99th percentile outcome. Yeah. So that's, that's my biggest fade. Yeah. I'll tell you who the experts are fading. Andres Jimenez, Bryson Stott, who's not on your Bryson list. Bryson Stott is not a shortstop. Oh, no longer He a was shortstop. a shortstop That's last right. year. I That's love right. Bryson Stott. We are going to talk about We're going to talk Bryson about Stott second Stott base next time. On the second base podcast. Okay. All right, guys. We are the Fantasy Baseball Advocates. Uh, look out for us. We're gonna keep. We're gonna keep this content coming. I think we're gonna cover second base next time, and that'll complete the infield. Then we're gonna move to outfield. Oh, I'm so excited for outfield. Oh man, started pitching. It's gonna be a, such a big list of outfielders. I mean, because you know we're gonna have to go. I think we'll. Pro- I don't know. We'll probably just talk about outfield as, well, I, as I, one. I, 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 yeah. I don't know. Well, we gonna I break think outfield's out? gonna be like a whole month. I think we'll be. Yeah, should. we're just gonna have to talk about. I it for think more we should do second episode. base, and then we'll do relief pitching, and then by that time it'll be February, mm-hmm. and in February and March we'll talk about outfield, starting pitching, and do our mock drafts, our mocks, oh, our virtual man. mocks. Mock it up! I'm gonna mock it up. Oh yeah, it's gonna be so fun. All right. Well, again, as Jay alluded to earlier, we are the Fantasy Baseball Advocates. We so appreciate your time. 
have a safe, healthy weekend. Be safe out there if you're traveling. There's a lot of storms in the northeast with snow. Signing off. Be well.